Hello and welcome to In Defense of a Movie Podcast. It's once again time for some jury duty. Woo, jury duty. How you doing, Aaron? How was your Halloween? Uh, it was pretty good. Um, went to a couple of uh, Halloween parties dressed up as The Rock in the turtleneck. Or was it <laughs> Kevin Hart in the turtleneck <laughs> yeah. dressed as The Rock? <laughs> when you sent me I that photo, I was really excited. You should post yeah. it on our Instagram because... Yeah, yeah okay. Because I... I yeah, you went from Pikachu onesie to dressing like The Rock. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was trying to think of like, what's the what's an easy costume that I could pull together in like last minute? Because that's what I needed to do. And yeah, I saw that Kevin Hart picture and I was like, mm-hmm. done. Boom. Done. I, ha- I own half of this stuff already. All I need <laughs> is a turtleneck. Did, did you already own the fanny pack? No, actually I didn't. But you know what? I like when I had the fanny pack, I took it and I filled it with snacks and I just kept periodically pulling <laughs> snacks out of the fanny pack and eating and i'm i'm a full-on believer in the fanny pack now it's like a bag of holding yeah <laughs> i understand right i understand yeah. all the hype about it oh yeah they're they're a highly underrated piece of piece of clothing mm-hmm. <laughs> if i travel that's coming with me nice so we got we got so much good stuff coming up um the next episode we are doing, I guess we'll start by announcing that right away. Mm-hmm. So the next episode we are doing is, drumroll, Aaron. The Last Witch Hunter. Yeah, not to be confused with The Last Airbender. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this episode, The Last Witch Hunter, we recorded with our friend Cody, um, mm-hmm. who uh, you'll know from the, uh, the Rise of Skywalker discussion I did with him uh, a while back. Um, this is the first episode we tried with uh, with three people, so our flow was a little off. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a little tricky adding in a third person, but at the same time, um, we kind of like the way it shook out. So we're gonna release it and yeah. put it out there. And uh, plus, the movie is is surprisingly good too. Yeah, totally. So if you want to get out in front of that one, give it a watch. Let us know what you mm-hmm. think on all our socials. We'd love to know what you think of that film before we dive into our discussion. Um, Aaron, this is our 10th Jury Duty episode, so happy 10th episode. Oh, uh, happy 10th episode to you, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Aaron, let's talk about American Thanksgiving really quick. Mm -hmm. Yes, my second favorite Thanksgiving. (laughs) Of the year. (laughs) Yeah, of the year. (laughs) A close second. So, as as you know, we've already announced that we're doing the Thanksgiving episode. Uh, We've been teasing this for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, we are so excited um, to have gotten a chance to sit down and chat with the mm-hmm. co-writer and director, Jordan Downey, for the film, and that will be a part of the episode. Um, it's going to be a pretty cool episode. It's probably going to be a little bit longer because um, we get a lot more than we bargained for. We originally thought yeah. we were just going to have like a quick 10-minute interview. Um, we, en- we ended up chatting for about 40 minutes, and so mm-hmm. um, I'm in the middle of sort of packaging that with the rest of the actual episode and everything else so it's going to be really really cool we deep dive into the character design all sorts of uh amazing stuff his time as an intern with Wes Craven it's really rad and Mm -hmm. um it's it's definitely a big first for for our podcast and we're so stoked to share it with you guys yeah you're gonna want to check it out yeah absolutely so Aaron are your Christmas decorations up yet oh no I like I, no, I haven't put any. I don't even. I don't even think I own any. This year, I was thinking <laughs> about buying a Christmas tree. It was like, 
As oh, a you single, don't even have one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Like I have, I have like nothing, and so maybe this year I might get into the uh, Christmas festive fest- festivities. Festivities. <laughs> as the Christmas asbestos. Mm, absolutely. The reason I ask <laughs> is because just a couple nights ago, uh, I went and saw Last mm-hmm. Christmas. I'm a mess. I was really sick and I nearly died. I don't tell people because they get weird. But I don't think you'll get weird. No. I'm just scared all the time. And they just expect me to be normal. I get on with life. There's no such thing as normal. And just being a human being is hard. Maybe you should do something nice for someone. Deck the halls with bells of holly. Fa la 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 la. Tis the season to be jolly. Oh boy. Which is uh, in theaters right now. It uh, stars okay. Amelia Clark, who needs no introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was written by Emma Thompson and directed by Paul oh, Feig. Oh, really? Wow. And it's based on the music of George Michael. George Michael is pretty much the entire soundtrack of the film. Oh, I love when movies uh, are set to soundtracks. Or like... Yeah, it's yeah. kind of cool. It's basically themed around like a few of his songs. Yeah. Sorry, and, um, that sounds weird saying a movie is set to a soundtrack because all movies have soundtracks. <laughs> no, 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 I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah okay, okay. Music's a huge part of it. And um, yeah, you know, it was it was all right. It was, uh, it was a little clunky, really cliche, mm-hmm. but as far as Christmas films go, um, yeah. we got to get it. Did it make you it. feel good? Did it make you feel warm and fuzzy? Yeah, and it was really funny. Like, and it's, it's, okay. it's, 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 um, it's more adult oriented than I thought it would be. Like the humor, yeah. like this isn't uh, how you, this isn't like a family friendly mm-hmm. Christmas film. Like it's rated PG, but the humor is definitely more geared towards adults. Um, Amelia Clark's character um, in the movie is kind of she's kind of a mess, and uh, as the movie goes on, you kind of find out more about her and stuff. But yeah, yeah. she's definitely a she's definitely a drunken mess most of the movie, and it's mm, pretty entertaining. I mean- who of us aren't a drunken mess <laughs> around Christmas time, especially, right? Yeah, and Mich- Michelle Yao plays her boss at this store she works at and stuff, and it's just—it's a lot of fun. There's a really cool dynamic in the film, so yeah. Um, you know, if if you want to have like a Christmas kind of pre-date night to kind of kick off the holiday season, you know, I could I could loosely recommend it. It's not terrific, but oh, gee, Dan, thanks for rubbing it in for all us single guys here that don't have dates to go see this movie. <laughs> Just sneak in your cat, Darren. Oh, that might not work out. <laughs> Sounds good, but I don't think that would work out. Yeah. It'd just yeah. be me running around a theater like looking for a cat. Yeah. So I'd give I'd give last Christmas kind of my first impressions. It's probably around a six point five out of ten. You know, it's mm-hmm. decent, but it's not yeah. like you know, it's better than some of the Netflix crap, that's for sure. But it's still, you know, as far as Christmas movies go, I have like really loose expectations for Christmas movies. Yeah. As long as I feel warm and fuzzy, that's about it. That's my metric for Christmas films, more yeah. or less. That's all you can ask for. Yeah, man. Uh, the next movie I want to talk about is The Lighthouse. Keeping secrets, are you? No, sir. Why just spill your beans? Just your beans. Just your 
five weeks? Two days? Help me to recollect. Yeah, I want to see this movie. It just looks absolutely insane. Um, so The Lighthouse was directed by Robert Eggers. It, of course, stars Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. And it's honestly probably one of the craziest films I've watched in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very it's a very claustrophobic film. It's billed as a horror movie, um, which is kind of interesting. I feel like that's almost more of a marketing thing because, like, mm. even though there are there is like creepy elements and it's very disturbing, I wouldn't per se classify it as a horror movie. So I'd be careful mm-hmm. about throwing that around. I think it's more like fantasy than horror, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, they probably just had to give it a genre of some sort, and they they probably just went with that. Yeah, I think so. Because it's it's a really disturbing film. It's really claustrophobic. It's shot like yeah. four by three. Like it's not widescreen. So like the entire frame is oh, very tight. Yeah. You feel you, the... It's, it's really crazy because this entire movie feels like it's designed to make you feel uncomfortable. Like from the very first scene to the time you leave. And it is so crazy and so unnerving and so yeah. psychological. And it's definitely not for everyone because like, you know... If you want to talk plot, it's kind of loose and very much mm-hmm. interpretive. Um, it's very slow paced in a sense. So, um, you know, if you're if you're a fan of like artsy fartsy films, this is like right up your alley. Mm, yeah. But it, but if you're not and you need some and, and you like your films a little more on the rails, a little more linear, um, you may not like this. And um, it's also very like. Um, I will say it's pretty. Prov- uh, there's a lot of like weird, shocking imagery in it as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it could disturb you. But as far as like filmmaking goes, and as far as uh, you know, Aaron, we talk a lot about like uh, you know the singular views of directors and kind of like yeah. uh, unique films and stuff, and how all that's kind of getting buried these days. Um, and again, this is a perfect lead into our next movie mm-hmm. we're going to discuss because. The Lighthouse, I, the whole time I was watching it, Aaron, I kept, I just kept thinking, I can't believe this is in like Cineplex, like this is in Mm -hmm. mainstream theaters and not just in, you know, like, um, independent theaters because it definitely feels like an independent film. Um, but I think it's doing really well at the box office, which is awesome. And, uh, critical consensus is quite high. Yeah. So yeah, man, I would highly recommend this film. Um, it's a real trip. Um, uh, how how was uh, Robert Pattinson's acting in it? Incredible, absolutely yeah. incredible. He like y- you you forget that it's even him at times. It's unbelievable. Oh, that's that's good. That's good to hear, considering like uh, that he's going to be playing Batman. You know what? I was on the fence about Batman until I saw mm-hmm. this film, and I was like, oh man, like Batman's like not even a stretch now for yeah. him. But, yeah, like he has an intensity in this film that I've seen like very few actors mm-hmm. capture, and it's unbelievable. Well, the interesting thing about him is I, I was reading that he actually like, really regrets doing the uh, the Twilight movies. And apparently mm. he didn't actually read the scripts all the way through. And he thought <laughs> it was like, like uh, I almost said zombies, vampires, like murdering vampires and just like blood and gore and stuff. And he didn't realize <laughs> that it was like a teen movie. Poor and guy. so, yeah. So and by the time he realized what it was, is he already signed the contract for all three movies there. And so, yeah, he. He, he like 
he says that's a, the worst decision of his life was being in those movies, which is crazy mm. um, because, like, I feel like that's also what kind of launched his career, but maybe not in, like, a good way. Yeah. So, so with that being said, I, I, I've been trying to give him like more of the benefit of the doubt and not just kind of uh, associate him with Twilight. And yeah. so with the new Batman movie coming up, with well, obviously being a huge Batman fan, I want to like watch more Robert Pattinson movies and, you know, try to try to try to get a better sense of what kind of actor he is. All I know is Twilight and Harry Potter. <laughs> Those are the two movies yeah. I think I've seen him in. I can't help but feel like he's going to be like criminally underutilized for Batman though now that I've seen this film oh um, really oh yeah you'll That's see what I mean like when you watch it like his range yeah. is unreal and um, okay yeah man it's a crazy crazy film um maybe I'd like to talk about it like in a few weeks once people have had a chance to check it out because I would like mm-hmm. to get in some of like the themes and symbolism and stuff because it's such a fascinating film um I mentioned on this podcast before where I like I like movies that mess you up for a few days that you have mm-hmm. really have to unpack for a while, like sci-fi and stuff like that, where you're like, oh my gosh, like, and you know, um, yeah. and this is, this is one of those films. It's right in my wheelhouse of films that you really need to unpack for a while and think about to decide what you even thought of it. So, mm-hmm. um, I think this is a perfect lead in to our next film, which is like the exact opposite of this, where there was like a half a dozen writers and a whole committee of people making yeah. this thing what it is. Aaron, let's talk about Terminator Dark Fate. Let's go, we're running late. Sí. Buenas. Se encuentra Daniela Ramos. My name is Sarah Connor. When I was about her age, a Terminator was sent to kill me to stop the birth of my son John, leader of the resistance. seen one like you before. Almost human. I am human. That is not your father. Come with me or you're dead in the next 30 seconds. We changed the future. Saved three billion lives. Why not just let me have it? Because we're not machines, you metal mother. You, Danny, you're my mission. How do we stop this thing? I'm going to help you change the future. I'm done running. I'm going to stand and fight. can't die, Danny. If you don't make it, everybody dies. Oh, do we have to? <laughs> Aaron, no, I, I'm joking. I, I wanted it. I wanted this movie to be good so yeah. bad. I've been mm-hmm. championing this film for like a year and all my friends and everyone's like, 
so over Terminator. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Linda Hamilton's coming back. James Cameron's yeah. involved. Like, uh. <laughs> oh, I no. think out of everyone I know, only you and I were excited to see it. Everyone else yeah. was like, I don't care. And you know what? <laughs> I feel like they had the better attitude because because we ultimately got let down in the end. Yeah, this movie is not doing well at the box office. Mm-hmm. Um, it possibly, it, odds are very high that it's going to put the franchise on ice. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about it because it's... Oh, wait. Uh, let's do a disclaimer here. If oh, you yeah. haven't seen Terminator yet and you plan on seeing it, uh, turn the podcast off at this point and then come back and listen. Yeah, we don't want to spoil this thing. Yeah. We also don't want to preload your expectations. Let's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, Terminator Dark Fate. You know, Aaron, there's a lot of things about this movie that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, I, I liked a lot of the pieces, but the way it was assembled just... Uh, I want to coin a new term, actually. I was thinking about this. Um, this movie, for me, um, I realized that... By the time I got home, I hated it. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it took a little longer for me, but I get it. Like, like um, you know when you leave the theater and you're still riding the emotion and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. wow, that was crazy. This was cool. This was cool. And this was cool. But then by the time you unpack and you're like, well, this and this and this. And then on by the time I walked through the front door, I was like, oh, you know what? That wasn't very good at all. Mm-hmm. Aaron, what did you think of Terminator Dark Fate? Let's let's uh, unpack this a bit. Okay, so I kind of have two school, schools of thought here. One is hardcore, like, Terminator fan, uh, watching them, you know, as a kid, growing up, like, seeing mm-hmm. all of the ones that have that they, I guess, don't exist anymore, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, and just, just following the storyline so closely. And, uh, that like, being that fan, I was ultimately disappointed with where they took the story um but if you're like a fair weather terminator fan where you don't like you're not that invested into like the storyline and the characters then Mm -hmm. i would say this movie is like awesome because it had like amazing like the acting was pretty good and um it had like amazing like sequences and like fight scenes and stuff and like arnold was amazing linda hamilton was amazing um Sorry, I don't know who the actor who plays Grace was, but she oh, was like Mackenzie really Davis. good. Too. Yeah, she was really good. And, she was uh, awesome, man. Yeah, it was nice that they got like a um, like a strong female to to play that role there. Yeah, it was just she like was... it was like so like so many strong female roles in that movie, which was like really cool as well. Yeah, Mackenzie Davis, I feel like is like the best thing to happen to the Terminator franchise uh, yeah. in ages, um, but. Yeah, gosh, you know, one of the one of the things that really stood out to me, Aaron, um, you know, like Terminator One and Two are such timeless movies, and I truly don't believe that they ever needed any more sequels, like after Terminator Two, uh, mm-hmm. especially if you watch the alternate ending, which has like an old Sarah Connor with an old John Connor, and John Connor is like working in the Senate now and has like kids and stuff. There's like this whole deleted scene. Whereas they, you know, in the in the theatrical ending, they left it way more open ended. Um, mm-hmm. Something that jumped out at me, and and this is actually something that uh, Martin Scorsese recently talked touched on when he was ripping on the Marvel movies, mm-hmm. where he talked about the idea of innovation. And and um, when you think about filmmakers like James Cameron and uh, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, 
one of the things that made those directors so um, good and so revered is that they didn't make films until they were ready to innovate. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether it be in you know whether it be in the story department or technology department, they they didn't make films until they were ready to innovate. It wasn't in terms. It wasn't so much about like studio pressures and and the big machine like it is now, where we churn out sequels and you know um, uh, have legacy characters and all this madness that happens with all this new stuff. But we've we've lost that sense of like a solitary vision of a filmmaker saying, "This is my baby, and I'm gonna struggle with it." Until mm-hmm. it gets to the theater, and it kind of yeah. depresses me, man. I, when I think about every single one of my favorite movies of all time, um, mm-hmm. when I watch the documentaries about the making of those films, they were like total struggle and total hardship and total conflict. Like people, you know, disasters and calamities happening on set, things barely getting by the deadline. You know, these films mm-hmm. were made in like a really intense environment, and they just barely got to the screen and they were all like huge hits Mm -hmm. now when you watch terminator dark fate you don't get the sense that this had to happen you know what i mean you don't get the sense that there's a guy behind this going this is my vision this is my baby you know it's it it, Mm -hmm. it really brings nothing new to the table yeah which i really thought was going to happen considering that this is kind of like make or break for the terminator franchise right so yeah. you think that it was like we have to make a movie that's going to succeed like and i don't know why i don't know why they like chose to go the way that they did yeah i i have no idea um that that's the other reason I was so excited about it because I knew like if they were pulling out Linda Hamilton and continuing mm-hmm. from T2 I knew that they were they were taking the biggest risk of the franchise where it's like mm-hmm. okay if you don't if this isn't a good movie it's over it's done for the foreseeable future um but what's crazy is if you track back even just the rights of Terminator the Terminator franchise it has changed hands like I don't know maybe half a dozen times since like the 90s yeah and every yeah. time it changes hands, usually a movie comes out to kind of cash in on those rights. But it's never really that good. Like no. Salvation, Genesis, T3, this one, they're all very divisive films, you know, where mm-hmm. people either love them or hate them. And I think people have fatigue with the Terminator franchise. Yeah. And they don't trust it. I I, I for sure feel that. You know, you can't trust it to be a decent film anymore. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be dead for at least, what, 10 years or so? Yeah, probably. Before they even touch it. Yeah, unless the current right holders have some sort of deadline to hold on to the rights or make a movie, then they'll try something maybe. Yeah. But it's a shame because I really like Grace. Grace was a badass, and I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed her her personality. Um, I don't think the character of Danny was handled very well. Um, No. No, she she wasn't believable. No, she wasn't. I mean, this story takes place in, what, 48 hours? Yeah. And Something she, like that. She has this transformation in like two days, and it just felt really strange. I I liked Arnold. I liked the way they shoehorned him in there. I think that was the best use of old Terminator Arnold yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, Linda Hamilton was was good, but uh, underutilized. I feel like she was like yeah. emotionally underutilized. Yeah. I also didn't like how 
I feel like they didn't get her give her enough credit. Mm-hmm. Um, like whenever Grace comes back in time and there she's like, Who are you? And she's like, I'm Sarah Connor, and she's like, Who? And you know, it doesn't make sense because towards the end of the movie, it's like she's training Danny to become the next resistance leader, right? Yeah. And so, you, like, what? She doesn't say who Sarah Connor is? Like, that, and apparently she raises Grace? Like, it didn't make any sense to me. She kind of spends the movie just crapping on Sarah Connor. Yeah, and and I was like, you know what would have been awesome? These two like strong female roles working together instead of like opposing and like uh, you know like having conflicting personalities and stuff. Yeah, totally. And it's weird because like Sarah Connor or uh, um, Linda Hamilton's voice, you know, from years and years of smoking, she like she can't raise her voice past a certain. Mm-hmm like loudness so yeah it, it sucks because we start the film literally the opening opening logos and titles of the film is that amazing monologue from t2 where she's talking about like mm-hmm. judgment day and she's freaking out in that in in uh the san pescadero whatever it is the mental asylum and yeah. the emotional peak of your film should not be in the opening logos of your film mm-hmm. and also yeah. aaron the first act of this film, that car chase, is like bigger and crazier <laughs> than anything in either of yeah. the first two Terminator films. Yeah. And then it only gets weirder from there. You know, there's planes smashing mm-hmm. into each other and cars falling off dams and all sorts of stuff. And Yeah. My biggest <sighs> issue is things were just a little too cute in the way that they worked out. Like... They just happen to know a guy in the army who has, like, EMPs who they Mm. don't explain who it is. And I, like, I didn't do, like, an extensive Google search, but I was trying to find out, like, who that guy was. Um, Didn't find anything. Then he just lets them take a plane into the sky, and they, like, don't explain why (laughs) he has this, like, trust in them. Yeah. And yeah, so so if someone out there knows who that guy is, like please let us know because I'm curious. And yeah. uh he he yeah, they're in the plane and then and then of course somehow randomly out of the sky they crash into a dam where there just happens to be turbines so that they can destroy the terminator. And you're like this like things don't work out like that. Yeah, but that's and but you know what that could also be said about the first two movies as well because in the first one they end up in like a big factory where she like smushes the the T eight hundred in like the machine and then the second one they just happen to end up in like a foundry plant where they like yeah. melt him and it's just ah and it just drives me insane because it's just like that works out a little too perfect for you you know yeah I think Man. my biggest problem with this movie was. Um, there's this adage in filmmaking where it's like, show me, don't tell me, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. And all the backstory, all the important character development in this movie was basically they stop and turn to the camera and then they do like these flash forwards to kind of explain everything, you know? Mm-hmm. They just point blank look at the camera and just tell you why something is the way it is or why a certain character is the way they are. But... That sucks. It took me out of it every single time. I hate that so much because, like, I would rather... I want to see characters... Like, if you watch T2, all the character development you see is in the here and the now, and it's present, and it's cooking, and you believe every minute of it. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas in this movie, every time they had to explain something about a character, whether it be their loyalty or their growth or their leadership skills or anything, they have to flash forward because the current movie happening in front of you 
doesn't support that narrative. It's not even strong enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, a l- this movie has been compared to The Force Awakens, um, mm-hmm. rightly so, because it is so similar in terms of what they set out to do. But it's like it's like The Force Awakens, except with flash-forwards to see how great Rey becomes, or flash-forwards to see how mm-hmm. evil Kylo is, or flash-forwards to see, you know, uh, where Luke ends up or something. Like, it's just, it's, it's poor storytelling, you know? Um... I wasn't even that bothered by the idea of them killing off John Connor at the very start mm-hmm. of the film because I was just like, wow, that that is shocking. So let's justify it. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, that's crazy. That's such a risk. Let's see where this goes. I was I was on board. I was like, yeah. oh wow, that's that's one way to 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 start things. Yeah. Like it was like watching Alien 3 where you're like, oh, oh crap, Hicks and Newt are dead. What are we doing? <laughs> like where where does this yeah. go now? It's tragic. Um but there is nothing in this film that justifies that level no. of emotion. You know, it, there's nothing that happens that justifies it. It really doesn't. Mm-hmm. It just made yeah. it feel like it's all in vain. I thought my my thoughts were like, oh, they killed John Connor. I was like, well, <laughs> you know, Terminator 1 and 2 were kind of like more about uh, Sarah Connor anyways. And I was like, and she's in this movie so i was like maybe like maybe it's still gonna be good and like kind of crossed my fingers and like you know did the exact same thing as you and but yeah ultimately let down in the end yeah they they kind of crap all over the lore mm-hmm. it would have been nice if like maybe at the end of this film carl had a time machine and she went back in time and killed carl and saved john and then, no i don't know i could <laughs> it was just yeah. like sarah connor was in this film just to sell tickets arnold was in this film just to sell tickets it's unfortunate because i felt like there could there was a cooler story here um mm-hmm. i i felt like if this story was completely focused on grace and um the rev nine and stuff it could have been it could have been cooler i aaron mm-hmm. i think my, my whole problem with the terminator films is um like simplicity Mm-hmm. Um, the new films are way too complicated. Like, yeah. Genesis is a nightmare, and this one, too, it's just, it gets too complicated. There's too many locations. There's too much going on. Like, if you watch the first Terminator and you watch Terminator 2, it, they are such simple films. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know why we, I don't know why this had to be, like, a Marvel yeah. movie, you know? Yeah, well, that, that's that's the problem is it's because it's like now you're getting into like big budgets competing with like uh, Marvel, Disney or like Star Wars and things like that. And so they, these movies have to succeed. So they go above and beyond when they don't realize with just some clever writing and like a simplistic view of things that they could have made a way more successful movie. I just don't understand how James Cameron like approved all of this. Honestly, if we if you really look at James Cameron, um, mm-hmm. he is an incredible innovator when it comes to technology and film. Yeah, but when it comes to story, um, I think he's very overrated. I, I think all of his story writing is actually um, so simplistic and so cliche. All of mm-hmm. it. Um, any any of his biggest movies, you know, they're they're all based on simple cliche stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But where he excels is in like uh emotional beats and in innovating technology and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So 
if you look at this film, it has like a half a dozen writing credits. It's not like this yeah. is James Cameron's baby by any stretch of the imagination. You know, it's not like it was Tim Miller's baby by any stretch of the imagination. I mm-hmm. feel like Tim Miller was honestly just there to sell tickets as well because people are like, yeah. oh, we like Deadpool. Can we please stop using Deadpool as to, to try to sell tickets? Like, yeah, it was the biggest <laughs> R-rated movie ever for a while, but like that doesn't mean that it's, you know, it's like a stamp of excellence or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, that, I hate it. I hate it too. Especially even with all these, uh, all these uh, Marvel movies too. Like I'm not a fan of like the Russo brothers at all. No, hey. even though you know, I mean, it's kind of like whatever. Um, but like, I don't think that they're anything special. It's just they got they had go they got to make these giant movies that blew up, and like that's the thing is like every I don't know why people always measure success in dollar signs, especially when it comes to movies, because movies are so much more than like dollars. It's like how mm. you feel, the emotions, like everything. And it, it, that's that's my whole problem with all this, this superhero franchises. Right. It's being, it's like, it's geared towards making money and not making like quality, um, like, a, like movies that will like pull you emotionally in like a certain direction, right? Right. Honestly, this, there's so many different ways to make a Terminator movie that would have been wonderfully better mm-hmm. than this. Like like smaller budget, simpler ideas. Focus it down to you nah. know like the the first couple Terminators movies were focused on like two, three characters you know max. Like they they were very compact films. I mean until you introduce Dyson and his family into the mix, that movie is isolated to like this core group of people. You know. Yeah. Now I'm yeah. just ripping on it. I'm, I'm getting too. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here. Okay. Okay. We should get into what like what where would you have wanted to see this movie go. Man, honestly, I think if if you're making a Terminator quote unquote movie in like 2019, I think mm-hmm. the safest thing would have been to just not even focus on the Connors at all. Yeah. Um, because it's such a big universe. Like we're talking. Like it, it's easy to forget that the in the story of the Terminator, like Judgment Day is a global event. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's so many different stories that could be told that have nothing to do with even time travel in this universe that could be super interesting. Yeah. So honestly, I think I think if they really wanted to kick off a new trilogy, I, I think it I would have just kept it simple, isolated it down to, you know, maybe just a couple people. I probably wouldn't have set it in, in California, would have set it somewhere else to kind of, you know, um, mm-hmm. make it its own thing. Um, there's, I don't know, man. But I also had this other idea. Um I wanted to know what you thought of this is if you did almost like a um like a Laura Secord style story where like um somebody overhears that they're going to send a terminator back in time so they have to like get back to the resistance to let them know in time before mm, they yeah. send the terminator back mhm and I thought that would be kind of a cool compact story you know like and they're just yeah. basically trying to get from one point to the other in the future war to like warn the resistance that they have to find a way to time travel someone back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be a super simple, compact story. And, you know, I said it in that 80s aesthetic future war with the purple lasers and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, um, like, in this movie, I think I would have just liked to see a uh, maybe a different character playing Danny and then a hero's death for uh, for John. And like, how how cool would it have been if it? Like, I mean, it might have been a little bit lame, but if there's like a, a son, um, son and mother like f- 
Terminator fighting team, you know, and yeah. just like absolutely destroying. And then obviously, like something happens, he dies, end up s- to save Danny, and uh, you know, and or like maybe even a love story kind of there, something like that, you know. And she yeah. kind of like becomes becomes the new resistance leader. Like that, that to me would have made this movie a, a way better. Because that crossed my mind too. Like why why couldn't John and Danny be like a couple at the time? Yeah. Yeah, you know? and uh, like, like again, we we get brought up in uh, that John is such a big deal in the first movie, and then the oh, second yeah. movie we get to see him as a kid, and like, all we want to see is a grown up John Connor kicking ass. Like, is that too much to ask for? Yeah, and they couldn't give it to us. They just had to like kill him in the first first uh, couple minutes of the movie and reach into our chests and pull our hearts out. Yeah, in the first two movies, you are given the impression that John Connor is the most important person on the planet, mm-hmm. period. And then in this film, um, in the, the very opening scene of this film, has him getting shot in the chest, just plugged, yeah. double tapped. And that's a hard pill to swallow, especially yeah. when nothing that follows it um, has any sort of emotional resonance. You know what I think I would like to see is What's maybe that? is maybe that they would stop uh, making like um, movies. Well, <laughs> ma- like main story movies, anyways, and right. they would do like a bunch of side stories because, like you said, there would be a lot of things going around. It's like a big, it's a big universe, right? And so they could do like a smaller faction of like resistance people fighting the Terminators and eventually like it all leads up to them joining together to fight, you know, and and just kind of get away from this like um, Sarah Connor and like resistance and things because it's just been beaten to like death by now. Yeah, it's just a convoluted mess. Yeah. How are you supposed to explain these movies to to somebody who's never watched one? It's like, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that was our post-mortem on uh, Terminator <laughs> Dark Fate. Yeah. Now we yeah. we send it off on a barge and shoot flaming yeah. arrows at it. Yeah, and watch yeah, it yeah. Sail off into Valhalla. <laughs> what a shame. What a shame. Anyway, yeah, well. we, we got some good stuff coming and... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Disney Plus, we're going to have to talk about some Mandalorian yeah. in a couple of days here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I read today um, that, uh, what's his name, Kevin Feige? 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 I, can, I never know what it is. You guys know me. I'm terrible with names. <laughs> terrible with names. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, apparently he was saying that like to keep up with the Marvel Universe, you're going to have to have, uh, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you're going to have to have Disney Plus to... Uh, of course. To, to watch all the side stories and shows. So uh, pony up those dollars. You know, yeah, I mean, geez, it's so corporate, but I'm actually very optimistic about Disney+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I oh, mean, we all, we, we all watch, like, TV and shows anyways, and why wouldn't yeah. you get this? It has Fox on it. It has Disney. It has, like, a bunch of new cool shows coming up. And it's, it's going to have more uh, mm-hmm. stu- stuff in the end, so... Yeah, there's going to be so much original stuff to talk about on there. It's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll obviously, we'll keep our main show going. But yeah, in our jury duties, we're definitely going to cover a lot of this stuff and, and chat yeah. about it. So. Mm-hmm. so yeah. Well, Aaron, is there anything else you want to mention or uh, talk about? That is it for me. Awesome. 
Well, right on. Well, again, thank you so much for checking out our podcast. Um, if you enjoyed this episode and if you enjoy our show, don't forget to, to, to give us, drop us a rating and subscribe and let your friends know about us. Uh, we just want to say hello to all our international listeners around the world. We are so glad that you uh, join us today. And um, yeah, we really appreciate it. We're having a lot mm-hmm. of fun with this and we hope you are too. Um, we just want to wish everyone an awesome holiday season as we're coming into American Thanksgiving and into the holidays. So um, yeah, this is going to be good. They've got some great stuff coming up. We have, again, next episode, Last Witch Hunter, and then we have the Thanksgiving episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stay classy, San Diego. Don't forget to have your pets spayed and neutered. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm working on some new sign-offs. Is that one? Of yeah, I, I don't know. I, I liked it. I, did I, you like mine? I was yeah. totally rip of anchor, man. But. <laughs> I was going to say, and don't forget to vaccinate your kids. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Epstein didn't kill himself. Yeah. Yeah, there, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye.